everyone and welcome back to the Book Done Busy podcast where I open books and then I open my big mouth to talk about them. Today we're going to be talking to Emily Howes all about her new book, The Painter's Daughters. Enjoy! Hello Emily and welcome <laughs> to the Book Done Busy podcast. We are so happy to have you here to talk about your novel, The Painter's Daughters. So welcome, how are you? Oh, thanks very much. I'm very well. I'm very cold, but I'm very well. Really happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. And it is freezing. Like, it's just not okay. So your book is out soon. Do you want to tell us when and where we can pre-order? Because after this, I'm sure people will, no doubt. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> it is out on the 29th of February, and you can pre-order it from all the usual places, like Amazon uh, Bookshop org and waterstones and foils and and places like that I'm quite excited about foils i feel like foils and blackwells and stuff they're just so exciting aren't they? blackwells i just think as like a level of drama for some reason yeah. i don't know why i'm just like oh blackwell something very victorian about blackwells yeah <laughs> yes imagine <laughs> similar theme so just basically i want to talk about like just tell us a bit about yourself in other way Oh, that's very open. Um, Not ooh. very interview. Like, how did you come to write a book? Like, at what point were you like, mm, yes, now? Oh, that's a really good question. I'd always thought I probably couldn't write a book because it feels like the marathon of storytelling. <laughs> And I'm not really a marathon runner. Um, I'm more of a sprinter or not moving at all. So I probably thought, I thought it probably wasn't for me, but I started to write short stories. And as I was writing them, I started to think, oh, I really love this and kind of had a bit of success with publishing them and stuff. And, and I just started to think, well, either I've got to build them into a collection or I could just have a go and just see if there's a story that feels... Um, like there's enough to it and I feel drawn enough to to pull me into being able to write it and then it just became a sort of battle with myself you know the voice that says just shush or this isn't very good or trying to really kind of fight against that um, and so I, um, yeah I did um, after after I'd got maybe about 10,000 words of it I put it away for a little bit uh, and then I just had this sudden thought of like if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it and I signed up for the Curtis Brown novel writing course, which was online at the time because of COVID and stuff. And my lovely mum said that she would pay for half of the course. And so I felt I was just going to go for it. And honestly, that is what really made the difference. I also think then you've got to do it. <laughs> got to do it. I'm so, I've stepped in. Yeah you've got to and and do you know what it is it's the support and I think with writing a particularly a novel you you just become so aware of all the people around you in your life is sort of building you up and saying things yeah. like oh you can do it or you should do it or you'd be really great at it or every little bit of positivity just makes such a difference to that kind of long long battle of I'm gonna get to the end I'm gonna finish it and what a moment when you do yeah no can't relate I can imagine it's <laughs> absolutely baffling so you say that you've done obviously some sprints in there so short stories and also you did script writing yeah that's how and I so, and radio plays yeah radio oh, in. Stuff. 
Um, so I'd always wanted to do that. And I've always wanted to work in theatre or in storytelling somehow and studied English, university and stuff. And then when I came out of university, I was already sort of starting to write a little bit, but I was quite intimidated. Seems to be a theme that I'm constantly doubting myself. Um, and I had a bit of a year of thinking, what am I going to do? And then I found the most incredible kind of like writer, theatre writer training where it just takes all the fear out of writing and just makes it about um, messing around and making people laugh and making people cry and just experimenting. And that changed my life really. Just all of the kind of hierarchy out of it and the, and the fear out of it and just let me start writing. And after that, I started writing comedy. I did comedy shows in Edinburgh and um, one of them got picked up and made into Radio 4 series. And at the same time, I started writing with a theatre company um, and did, and that became quite successful and kind of small scale touring theatre company and would write our own pieces together. Um, oh. And then we'd tour them all over the place, really all over the country. and. That's what I did for maybe 10 or 15 years, maybe 10, 10 years probably. Um, and it feels really similar to this in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think I think being a part of a like collective or collaborative can be so fun because you can like bounce things off everyone. You can just like, and also like writing for fun is probably why the sense of like, there's a lot of energy in Peyton's Daughters, I think. And I think that's probably because you talk or the stress you probably felt stressed but didn't read stress <laughs> um out of it and just sort of like wrote for fun and I love that yeah that's good that it reads that way it was how it felt there were definitely moments where you kind of stall or you doubt yourself or but I just had this real sense of of um where, where I wanted it to go and I think because also I write often from true stories I say often I did with theatre a lot and I have with both the novels the second novel that I'm working on as well that gives you this kind of shape so you sort of have a sense of where you're going and a, a sort of bare bones of the life laid out in front of you and you know the drama's coming so you just want to you just want to get to it I did I did love the drama <laughs> I also you to be fair you have me like gripped on the first page and I don't necessarily think it's a spoiler because it happens in the first line of how you like it was like canvas as a body and I was like oh I'm here for this already I know nothing about painting and obviously it's not really about painting that much and then I was like oh this is lovely sort of like metaphor and then I think it sort of like set a really nice like lyrical tone to mm. it all which I thought was really nice oh that's good yeah it's funny when you look back at the book that you've written and you look at the beginning and you think oh that pretty much contains quite a lot of what I'm <laughs> want to to do but you don't know at the time you're just trying to set the tone for, yeah for how you want the book to feel yeah, yeah. was well, it different sort of going from writing as a collaborative process to just like on your little own or were you on your own was, was it just like people in your house that you're like let me just <laughs> well actually one of my children drew a picture of me at some one point during the process and it, they sort of drew, drew all the different people in the house and then she kind of drew me and, and it was a little speech mark coming out of my mouth going I am trying to write my novel <laughs> I don't that's strange <laughs> I know, like, how you see me but there were definitely moments where I had to go look guys I just need an hour just an hour to kind of squirrel away um it was quite hard to 
balance it all. Um, but I mean, I wasn't literally on my own in that sense. And then you are on your own with the story. And if it goes wrong, you feel it's really you against the story, like trying to make sure you get um, so you against the story. That's something like I'm trying to fight it, but trying to kind of get it onto the page and in the way that you think it should be on the page is sort of a fight. Um, but I had such great people, like other writers around me, um, oh. and that made all the difference. Like having my group from the Curtis Brown course, we all became really good friends, and we have a, a group now where we still share all our work and celebrate everything and commiserate. And yeah, that kind of support I just think is the best. That's lovely. You still got like a little group, and that's so nice. Just to just because I feel like writing can actually be quite like an isolating yeah. sort of like profession. So to have your own little makeshift group as well is incredible. It's been so brilliant and it doesn't you know people are in all different sorts of stages with their writing and some people have to go more slowly and some people are sort of finished and there's all sorts of different reasons why people are writing so, but it's just such a welcoming open group and now I have another group which is the people who are being published in 2024 I'm all about the people can you tell <laughs> still that collaborative yeah I love it just instilled in you that must be what it is and it's great I also just I find it just really lovely that like authors can sort of like uplift each other because yeah. I don't I mean I don't know much about the publishing industry to be honest or like beforehand but I can imagine it can be quite competitive and like comparison is like the thief of joy you know all the rest of it so it's good to be like I like just sort of like root for each other. just about the painter's daughters fill us in what's it about okay so it is about the daughters of um thomas gainsborough who was this 18th century portrait painter he painted i mean he rose up from nothing basically which is partly what the book's about kind of class and how you can have to fight to rise up through the class system at that time particularly but now too in some ways i suppose um he had to really fight for himself and build something um, and he had these two daughters who he painted over and over again when they were really small, these beautiful paintings that are world famous. You can see them all over the world and they're so tender and they're so sweet and you get this real sense of closeness between these two little girls, but also a kind of sense of darkness as well. Like there's a bit of foreboding in there and you don't quite know. You kind of, there's this sort of beautiful, I don't know, they've got this creamy skin and this sort of gorgeous satin and they're sort of chasing a butterfly, but behind them is a sort of murky dark and you kind of, there's a lot of, there's a lot in them that feels very alive. And then I went, I happened to go and see this exhibition at the National Gallery, which was, I just wandered in, um, which was his friends and family um, exhibition, all his different paintings of his of his of his home life, really. And on the wall that next to these famous pictures, there was this huge picture of them as young women, and they were so different. I mean, they looked so stiff and frozen and sad and as if they'd sort of been built from the outside in, like their outfits were totally overpowering them. And I just thought, I wonder what has happened in this gap. I wonder how this has come to be. Um, there's one other one in the middle where they're kind of like teenagers and it's also a little bit haunting and you can sort of see the midpoint of the process. And then when I looked at the plaque, it said that one of the sisters had suffered from mental illness, the older sister, and that the younger sister had become her carer. One sentence. Um, and that just sparked my, my, I suppose I felt quite moved by it, but also 
I just felt like looking at those two moments in their lives and hearing yeah. what happened to them afterwards I, I yeah I was I was in great in yeah and you sort of grow up with the girls like as the story goes which is really nice so you've sort of gone through the paintings yeah because they were such sort of beautiful like stepping stones to yeah. be able to kind of touch on as as you go through and finding a few that I hadn't seen before and um writing about them and writing about what it must have been like to be on the other side to be being yeah. looked at like that um you know kind of looked at but in a way they're never really seen once they leave childhood and the story is such a sad story but they also had each other right to the very end of of their lives so that feels a bit like a spoiler but it's not really it's a story about sisterhood and love and loyalty and, and sacrifice yeah. sacrifice for each other basically oh I yeah I am a sister but I've got older brothers so I love reading stories about like sisterhoods because I think it's just really, like, lovely just to see sort of, like, women supporting women, especially in times where, like, they weren't necessarily allowed to be anything other than, like, picturesque, tea-drinking sort of ladies of society. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's quite interesting because unless you were brilliantly talented, and I think we hear a lot about the women who were frustrated or, like, there's some incredible women, you know, there's the amazing astronomer, for example, the Herschels, um, she was fantastic. And you hear these stories, but if you were just an ordinary person who wasn't brilliantly talented in any of the acceptable areas for women, your options were just so thin. I mean, even though Gainsborough said he didn't want his daughters to grow up to be these kind of husband hunters, um, just drinking their tea all day, he, he didn't really also have much he could prepare them for that wasn't that. So the whole story kind of can, contains those that push and pull between... Yeah can do and what they I mean what could they do if they were given all the freedom there was nothing really yeah. I do find the dad kind of like took me by surprise in the fact that he was very like I want this to be free and I was like oh I've never really like in any sort of like tellings it's normally very much the dad is like listen this is what's going to be happening in this time we need to marry him off or <laughs> as you said they need to be extremely talented but then at the same time as you said, at the end, he doesn't necessarily do that. So when I was wondering, when you went to the museum, I presume, did it not really say anything much about like his, really, obviously him on his own as an artist, but his relationship with his daughters, or is that something that you found out through like your research? Yeah, there's a great book, um, the biography of Gainsborough that's by James Hamilton, and it's got lots of excerpts from his letters. Even in there, there's not a lot about the girls because they just weren't seen it as being particularly important and also they were um it was the, the whole because I'm now writing about something set in the Victorian era there's like a thousand letters that have all been kept but it, from the 18th century that not a lot was really not a lot has really survived um but the things that Gainsborough says about his daughters a lot of the dialogue that he has are things that he wrote in his letters about them so when he said he didn't want them to grow up to be these kind of tea drinking husband hunting women he wrote that himself um so I picked quite a lot and all the words he says on his deathbed about how he wishes he was young and he could go and like make make kites and catch finches yes. things that that's all from his from from stuff he actually said I know that he I mean there's obviously a big love story in the middle and again some of the way he reacted to that love story and how he felt about it a lot of that is documented because he was he was really angry um so yeah I've picked as much as I can up from 
from what was there and from his character you know he's a bit of a playboy he was kind of a you know he loved a good time he's a little bit of a womanizer but very charming yeah I liked him mm. which I feel like I was it's rare I like a man <laughs> so I I like when he was on his deathbed he was like I had too much of a good time as he been unleashed in there and he said <laughs> we're a bit late maybe <laughs> but <laughs> that you are but yeah, I wasn't expecting to like, but I don't know whether because it was through the lens of like Peggy a lot of the time and she idolized him mm. that I did. And then like as she grew up, she it sort of lessened to then I lessened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wanted this sense of of like adoration for him, but they're just so yeah. separated by gender, really. Yes. on this apprentice who's a boy because he needs a, a boy basically to take on the business yeah. they don't I wanted to try and make it kind of I suppose subtly coloured because they don't really have the the talent to be able to do it but they also feel so aimless because if yeah. you are either um no yeah like we've discussed really the opportunities were so limited for them that I I kind of wanted this sense that they're divided always from this world that he goes off into they're always left behind the door always shut no matter how much he loves them it's always going to shut because they're his two small daughters and he needs to go off and into the male world of um yeah of his job and how sad that is and how and, and also that her perspective on him, I suppose, Peggy's, changes as she grows and like in the way it does with our parents, perhaps, that we idolise them and then we slowly start to begin to see them. And we and I hope we go through that with Peggy. You know, when she, first time she sees her dad cheating or catches him in this way, it, it's so unsettling. And then slowly the picture changes as she, she begins to know more about the world. Yeah, and that was quite hard, I think. Mm-hmm. with like I was good for her on every but mm-hmm. I loved Peggy throughout and my heart just broke for like a thousand times and like her relationship with Molly like I adored but then also like wasn't particularly jealous of mm-hmm. but also was because like to have someone love you like that's incredible are you a sister <laughs> oh, no <laughs> not a sister it's <laughs> I've got a lovely brother but um, I am not a sister. And it's curious that I wrote about sisters in, in that way. I just think there's something about that relationship, particularly, yeah, there's something about like, how you become an individual when you are in that kind of closeness that I was really interested in. I'm interested in that generally, like in, in like, I don't know, romantic relationships or how do we sort of stand up Apart from somebody but if you've grown up with somebody almost like a twin and they're right by you um all through your life I think it can be really hard to know where you start and stop yeah um so that was more that sense but I'm clearly wrote it because I desperately want a sister big relate I'm with you there <laughs> but I think also we don't have sisters but also we'll have the experience of sisterhood and I'm sure that's probably also like whether you consciously know it or not you're probably just picking that in yeah. which was your favorite character to write oh that's such Fun a good question, question. <laughs> love it um let me think I did love writing Meg who's the sort of subplot um yeah that yeah. was fun 
she's fun and because it was in the third she's just got this energy and she's kind of you know pulling the story along and she's on this quest and I loved writing her because she's tough and she um she's she's desperate and she is she just wants to change something I felt like that I really I love writing that this sense of like I just want I just need something to shift in my life and I'm, I'm gonna I'm take I'm gonna take risks to get to live fully and to get to get a full life um and she goes through the mill but there was something really wonderful about writing <laughs> writing her yeah she was fab she was fab to read and also like I felt like how she sort of like broke things up as well as it sort of went on I remember like I was like reading that I'd be like really buzzing to get to like a Meg yeah. section because I was like where's she off now <laughs> what's happening you know how's her quest yes how bad are things going <laughs> how is she gonna find him she was a bit naughty yeah also. I liked it I know it's a little bit filthy gotta be honest yeah love I mean I love it I love writing that too it's probably why in fact I took my daughter to see the audio book being recorded because it was an inset day and um they were like come down on this day and we turned up literally just in time for the big sex scene and my, my nine-year-old <laughs> to take her headphones off because <laughs> the actress was like I just I don't want to be that guy let's <laughs> just put your stuff to one side because this is not the this is not the scene for you <laughs> I would have loved that <laughs> To, I'm like, oh. I mean, it's like Loki here and <laughs> lit reading. <laughs> so bad. All the scenes to turn up for it had to be that one. <laughs> That's the best, though. What a story. <laughs> oh, I love that. How old is she? She's nine. Yeah. <laughs> She's gone into school and gone, you never guess what I did. <laughs> I know some new words. <laughs> Some new images. Next time it's like a history lesson, she's going to be like, "Yeah, they're not all innocent, you know." <laughs> what you're all up to behind the barn doors. <laughs> That's hysterical. No, I love that. Was this a story that, like, obviously you saw it in like the museum, like beforehand? Like, did you have any like inkling that you'd ever like write historical fiction? Because obviously, like, past things like comedy and just other elements, and I feel like you've all you've dabbled in just like a multitude of dramas did you ever think like this would be the one that you box in <laughs> I know it's funny isn't it I think the thing is that I it's what I love to read really I love to read lots of different things but I just absolutely love um really good historical fiction um I there's just something about it I love it's, I was thinking about why I love it and I was thinking there's something about understanding or beginning to think about what our world is and how it was how it was how it's come to be how have I ended up here with like being a woman meaning what being a woman means like yeah. being um a certain age means what being a certain age like how is how on earth have I come into this world and when you look back you get the sense of like oh god if I look at what these what was going on in terms of the expectations <laughs> And understand so much more about particularly about the patriarchy about feminism and all that stuff it all feels very important not just to look at the experience now which is also really important to do but when we look back I think it can really offer us something about um yeah about who we are now and, and why so I love it for that reason love the atmospheres um and I just thought what would I want to read partly yeah what would I pick up in a bookshop and what would I need it to be like that's how I felt when I thought oh 
shall I just go for it? Part of me was thinking, well, this is a great story and I want to tell it. And part of me was thinking, would I want to read it? I'm going to write the book. I would want to walk into Waterstones and be like, yes, that's the one for me. <laughs> and you did it. And you've done it beautifully right. It's so, it's such an incredible read. And like, as I was saying to you earlier, I've never really read historical fiction. Like, it's not one that I would go in, but now I would because of this. And I raced through it. And I don't know why. Like, I used to think like historical fictions, and probably you're writing that's good, and that's why I flipped through it. But I used to think, well, it take me ages to like, get into the mindset. And now I was flung in straight oh, away. <laughs> That's really good to know. Yeah, I think it should be the same as any story, really, that you, sh- you know, you should be going going through it with that kind of sense of, oh, I want to know what happens next, or I'm I'm absolutely, that just happens to be set in a different world, you know? Yeah, yeah, love that. So... I've got a couple of, like, wrapping up questions. The first is, what are you currently reading? Oh, what am I currently reading? Um, I've just read a really good proof of a book called One Girl Began, which is out next year, I think. Ooh. And um, it was great. It's partly historical fiction, but it's three different um, women, three, three different women, all in different generations, different time periods, all living. It's based around one house in Hackney. Um, and it just follows what happened and so you see things that interlink and it's so cool so some there's a contemporary strand and there's like a sort of 1970s maybe 80s strand and then there's a um a sort of turn of the century strand and it's just it's very cool um so I've just finished that I have just been reading for my lovely friend from the Curtis Brown course she just sent me part of her very cool kind of like um murder book which I'm which like a cool kind of fun. murder thriller which I've just been that's literally what I was reading before I came on <laughs> call um and I'm about to open this book about Kit Marlowe my son is named after Kit Marlowe the um, playwright and someone's written a book uh, about him and he was kind of a rock and roll guy and he was quite interesting and um so I'm really excited to open that one that's next up got many tabs open yeah, too many tabs really <laughs> no but good that's so interesting that first one sounds so cool like it reminds me similar obviously if not ready but like the idea of it's like bodies bodies it's like on that bodies that's on like netflix that like stephen yeah. graham's and that i've still i've got one episode left i'm still yet to finish it but like that's very different strands and i'd well read that okay. yeah honestly it's really brilliant it's, it's a good example of of how historical fiction doesn't have to mean like a certain type of thing it can just be absolutely it's integrated with contemporary story it's cool that sounds sick what is your favorite book favorite is it like what do you recommend the most uh Claire Keegan do you know Claire Keegan I, I mean things like these I gave to about four different people for Christmas and I've only discovered her this year so I'm all over <laughs> I'm all over it um I really love her I think she's absolutely brilliant um I always recommend Sarah Waters um that's a really big thing for me if people say what should I read or um Maggie O'Farrell I love um yeah but my my latest obsession is definitely Claire Keegan I'm going through and ordering absolutely everything she's ever written <laughs> all really right. so it's quite sad what, what book of Claire Keegan's made you fall in love with Claire Keegan which I presume is probably the first one you read. Yes, yeah, small things. 
I mean, I just, I went, I was on a kind of proof dropping thing where you go out to different bookshops and meet the booksellers and which is lovely. And I went around London with, um, um, with my, with Eva, who's the publicity, publicity person on the book. And we went into this bookshop and both the bookseller, it was on the shelf and I picked it up because it's got a beautiful cover. Um, and both of them were like this, this, you just need to buy it and go and sit in a corner and <laughs> read it in one afternoon and just cry to yourself. And <laughs> I was thinking, how can it be that good? But it really is. It's so yeah. beautiful and heartwarming. And then I went and got so late in the day, which I absolutely loved as well. Now I'm on to foster. So yeah. <laughs> which is amazing racking them through yeah. that um, I'm not a table every she's got <laughs> <laughs> and the last one's a bit cheeky but do you reckon there's going to be like a second Emily House book on the horizon oh there already is one really <gasps> I mean I know it's about Mrs Dickens the wife of Charles um, I'm about halfway through and it is yeah it's it's quite fun. She was very cool. She had 10 kids. She wrote a cookbook. And then <laughs> after 22 years of marriage, he left her for an actress. So it's kind of about marriage, really, um, falling out of love. But it's also about, it's kind of about food and about fat and about fertility, because she had all these kids one after another. Um, yeah, it's about all of those things. I want to make it even more about food. I'm trying to use her recipes in the book and kind of dotting them through but yeah the more stuff I can get in about food I think the best yeah the best have you cooked any <laughs> no they're all horrifying they all sound really bad <laughs> I mean no offense to her that the time <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> I'm like you kidding me the head of a lamb or like just mad recipes she does Is have proper mad yeah weird kind of like I, I think I think there was just less squeamishness about to certain types of meat. So there's a lot of like, take three quail's heads and blitz them in a pulverizer or that's I'm exaggerating. But there is, there's a lot of ingredients on the list that I probably wouldn't be <laughs> going that's for. Like your bog standard, like shepherd's pie. <laughs> no, although I think that might be in there actually. And awesome. she does do some, she does like some trifles and some cakes and some puddings and things. I could give something simple, maybe an Italian cream a go. I might, maybe I should give it a go one day. Well, just, <laughs> just you might as well just do the most weird one that's less full of heads maybe wait maybe i'll do a little video <laughs> oh, you should <laughs> oh that's great and you've been a joy to have on and thank you so much for like coming on and talking to us about your book thank you so much for sending me a copy big fan loved it um yeah. so yeah just remind everyone when it's released and where they can pre-order just so they know so it is The Painter's Daughters uh, by me, Emily, and it is out on the 29th of February and um, you can pre-order it at uh, bookshop.org and Amazon and Waterstones and all of the big bookshops and indep all independents obviously as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. I've had such a nice time. It's really lovely. It's warm <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening this has been the booked and busy podcast where i open books and then have my big mouth to talk about them i hope you guys loved listening to emily talk about her book just as much as i like talking to her i'll see you again soon bye